Hey there, listeners. Before we jump into the conversation I had with my friend Eli, I want to invite you, yes, you, to share a little bit of your story with me. I plan on putting together a special episode of Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, in which we hear not from one trans person, but from a whole bunch of people at once. The topic will be on faith and violence. In other words, on the harm that religion has inflicted on trans and or non-binary people. Religious trauma, which is often called church hurt in Christian circles, can come in so many forms being invisibilized, excluded, or otherwise pushed out, being told that you are sinful or sick, or that your god or gods don't accept your transness, being subjected to conversion therapy or other forms of manipulation or abuse. If you have been hurt in any way by a faith community, or by individuals in a faith community, or by theology you've been taught, in ways that relate to being trans and or non-binary, I invite you to share your story. Please only do this if you are truly ready to tell your story and have a support network of some sort in case retelling it is painful for you, and if you're out enough that it's safe for you to do so. If you are a minor in particular, I will definitely ask if it's fully safe for you to be sharing your story. I also think I'm going to open this up to cisgender people, too. If you are cisgender, um, but you're part of a faith community or a family or some other group where there has been transphobic violence um, and you want to retell it and how you've helped to stop it from happening or are working on unlearning violent ideology that you learned, you can feel free to send in your story, too. To get on the episode, please record yourself telling your story or send in a written-out version of the story for me to read out loud if you don't want your voice to appear in the podcast by April fifteenth, 2019. Your story can be as short as you want, but it should be somewhere within eight minutes. Don't go super long. It can also be in the form of poetry if you prefer that to narrative. If you have any questions or want some suggestions for what to include in your recording or written out story, email me at queerlychristian36 at gmail.com. Email your recordings to queerlychristian36 at gmail.com as well. So now that I've advertised that call for stories, we can finally get to my conversation with Eli Rosenberg. They have some really cool views on what it means to be both transgender and a person of faith, to be a person of faith and a lover of math and science, and to be disabled and also be made in God's image. Let's get to it. I've got Eli with me today. Hello. The way I usually start these episodes is just to ask you what you want the listeners to know right off the bat, whether that's about gender or faith or about your hobbies, whatever. Um, I ended up writing down a Sweet. bunch of stuff. Nice. <laughs> um, and forgive me if I go on tangents, I've oh, yeah, had that habit. Um, but yeah, I'm Eli Rosenberg. Uh, they, them preferred, but I also go by he, him. I'm non-binary, disabled, autistic, and I was born and raised Jewish. So a little introduction for myself, I guess. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. How old are you? And Oh, sure. Uh, 23. I'm 23. Right? I always have to think about it. <laughs> 
Yeah, 23 years old. Um, I hopefully one day will be a psychologist, but I'm still working on that. Do you have ideas about like what kind of psychology you're most interested in? Um, Honestly, what has kind of gotten me interested in psychology the most is that like, you know, I was diagnosed with mental illness Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. And some of the experiences that I've had trying to, you know, get treatment for that has been a little subpar. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, There was one time where uh, something actually pretty serious, like it was one of the reasons why I ended up leaving school, Mm -hmm. uh, went completely unnoticed for two years. Oh, wow. And the reason it went unnoticed is because the person I was... Uh, talking to in therapy was a lot more interested in the fact that I was trans of and course. making some sort of like case study yeah. out of um, me than <laughs> actually yeah. trying to treat any problem that I actually had. Cool. Uh, yeah, that sucks. So if I can, if I can be a better experience mm-hmm. or even somebody in that field who is, is trying to say, hey, there's other people who have these problems. We can't just ignore them or, you know, foist off their problems on mm-hmm. some aspect of their identity. Mm-hmm. Like, these people still need help. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. Because that is, like, every time I see a new therapist, I feel like the first half hour is me trying to explain <laughs> non-binary to them. And I'm just like, I'm paying you. I'm not yeah, here to give yeah. you a lesson. <laughs> Uh, honestly, what I would really love to do one day is open a consulting firm for like oh, psychology sweet. and stuff, and yeah, you know, give training workshops and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's so cool <laughs> and so needed. And my cat is getting tangled up in the <laughs> microphone cords, so that's fun. So, how do you kind of want to like go about talking today? Do you want to go go like chronological through your life or what? Um, so I did a lot of thinking about this. Yeah, and the topic that I kind of chose honestly I feel like I'm giving a Devar Torah here (laughs) (laughs) um the topic that I chose was kind of uh, interpretation and conflict okay um actually because one of the one of my favorite things about Judaism is that not everybody has to agree yeah you don't even have to agree with God themselves yeah Yeah. (laughs) um that is pretty awesome yeah yeah that's like I said it's my favorite bit of uh, Judaism Mm -hmm. and like the name Israel which is like the Jewish people name Mm -hmm. of the Jewish people etc means wrestles with God Mm -hmm. and I really really like that for a number of reasons one of the I guess conflict things that I wanted to note was when I first realized that I was trans Mm -hmm. I assumed and it wasn't even like I sat down and thought about it really hard it was just something that just it was like a tenant in my mind or something Mm -hmm. that me being trans was going to be automatically incompatible with any form of religion yeah and that doesn't seem to be an uncommon thing among trans or non-binary people i I struggled with that for a really long time and i kind of went through uh you know being part of the jewish people is also you know very cultural so i was like okay maybe i'm just culturally jewish not Mm -hmm. really you know spiritual or religious or anything Mm -hmm. And I went with that for a while as well, but that still didn't really fit. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't really sure why. When I moved back to Louisville a couple years ago, I started to slowly get a little bit more into, you know, being Jewish and what that means and everything. Yeah. And then we got a new rabbi at synagogue. Mm-hmm. 
And not that the old rabbi was bad or anything. Mm -hmm. He was very good and he's still one of my favorite people. But uh, the new rabbi, she specifically, and I don't remember exactly what she said, um, but she essentially came up to me and said, you know, I see you. Mm -hmm. And if you ever want to, you know, talk with me about these things, I, I'm going to be here for you. And I had a really good conversation with her where I told her about some of the, you know, um, even transgender specific, mm -hmm. you know, religious things that I've, I had found. Yeah. One of them is something that I wanted to note, uh, trans Torah. I don't know if oh, you the website. Yeah. Yeah. It's trans mm -hmm. And it was started by a transgender man who became a rabbi Sweet. and it's got everything from essays to, you know, text, uh, from, you know, the text translations, different interpretations. Mm -hmm. Um, there's even, uh, Hebrew blessings on there for transition. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that. And when I found that, I was just like, oh my gosh, I have to tell yeah. somebody about this. And I had a really good conversation with the new rabbi about it. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, oh, yeah. maybe maybe so, this isn't as yeah, do incompatible you as I a little, thought. Explain a little what those blessings for transition, what that's about. Yeah. Um, it, with, in Judaism, there's, I swear, there's like a prayer blessing something for just about <laughs> everything from like eating bread specifically to eating fruit specifically nice. to going to the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's, something for, <laughs> there's something for everything. That's and great. one of the most common ones, or I think it's one of the most common ones, is the Shehechianu. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you say whenever you're doing something for the first time. Mm. Well, I've been on tea for two or three years, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember I said the Sheikh Yanu before I gave myself my first shot. That's awesome. And that yeah. felt kind of appropriate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, That's really cool. Yeah, so I started to maybe realize that the big issue that I had had wasn't necessarily that the religion was incompatible with it, but I was looking at the wrong inter interpretation. Mm. And one... Okay, I've never told this story before, but I really want to tell it now. How I chose the name Elijah. Mm -hmm. uh, I was up at college, and um, I'm guessing everybody listening probably already knows what dysphoria is. Probably. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's this, it's almost claustrophobic. Like, you're just trapped like there it's like there's irreconcilable conflict going on yeah. within you and it's it's like you just don't fit in your skin right it's like you just want to pull it all off oh that's a mood <laughs> <laughs> that's a mood yeah. yeah um and when i was at when i was in college it was really really bad i, I didn't have a very good sports system um i wasn't really in a good place mentally uh etc cetera, etc cetera. and i remember there was one night that it was really really bad and i mean <laughs> Um, it, was, it was almost atmospheric as well. There was like this huge storm outside and I was, mm. it was like four in the morning and I could not get to sleep and I was just curled up under the covers and like borderline in tears. Mm. And I, at the time I thought it was just because the song had gotten stuck in my head. Jewish songs will get stuck in your head <laughs> so easily. Uh -huh. You'll be singing them for days. Um, and I started, I started singing a song that we sing at uh, Havdalah, which is at the end of Shabbat. And I'm, I don't think I can sing it right now, but uh, if anybody is curious, it's called Eliyahu Hanavi. 
Elijah the prophet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I started singing this song. And like I said, it was like four in the morning. I was, I was like almost deliriously exhausted. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm waking up and the sun's shining outside mm-hmm. and I'm, I must've fallen asleep. Yeah. And <laughs> that was kind of curious to me because I had never fallen asleep that quickly before. Mm-hmm. And kind of almost as an experiment, whenever I started to get back into that really bad mind space and started, you know, feel claustrophobic and everything again, I'd start singing this song. Wow. And it wouldn't exactly, I mean, it wouldn't make the dysphoria go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of like putting a jacket on against the cold. Yeah. I guess. And I have no idea why, but to this day, that song still has that effect. Um, now that I'm on tea, thankfully the dysphoria isn't really rear its head quite as often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and I've researched Elijah the prophet. I've yeah. researched that song. Yeah. And I still can't come up with a cohesive answer as to yeah. why it works. One kind of theory that I, I think is interesting that I want to note mm-hmm. is apparently Elijah uh, in the old Talmudic you know, scripts and literature yeah. and everything... Yeah. Uh, Elijah would visit rabbis to help them solve particularly difficult uh, legal problems. Interesting. <laughs> now, back then, legal was kind of all-encompassing. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't quite as secular of a de- definition now. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that is also kind of up to interpretation mm-hmm. because legal would still fit with religious, mm-hmm. spiritual, cultural, yeah. you know, rituals. How you kind of live your life to an extent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which I've, I thought was really interesting because I had this uh, situation in which I felt like the problem that I had was too conflicting. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't figure out how to you know, deal with it. And then I'd start singing this song. Mm-hmm. And the song is basically asking Elijah to come, um, basically asking for him to come next week and the week after that and continuing. Oh, wow. And yeah. I was just kind of like, okay, yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if I was talking to Elijah yeah. or if I was praying to God. I does God exist? I don't know. That's not really. <laughs> See, the good thing about Judaism is that that's not you a question have to... I have to answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's and... really cool though that something happened there. Yeah, is that Elijah comes like? Am I getting this right? Like Elijah, you ask Elijah to come at like Passover. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Like to yeah. Um, you set out a cup on yeah. the Seder plate for yeah. Elijah. Yeah. And I think, don't quote me on this, but I think that was also an instance of Elijah uh, presiding over some sort of legal issue because mm. the rabbis couldn't decide. Oh, for sure. <laughs> the rabbis couldn't decide whether or not you should have four cups or five. So I think the fifth cup is for Elijah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, um, leave a cup out for me. Come on. <laughs> I have yeah, answer. Something like that. Um, so yeah, what I kind of took away from that, like I said, I don't know if, is there a God? I don't know. Sure. I don't have to answer that. Yeah. Um, but what I kind of took away from that is that it's okay to not have, it's okay to not have the answers. It's okay to keep wrestling with this. I mean, these are really, really big topics. You don't, you don't need to feel a bunch of pressure to get it solved right away. It's okay. Yeah. I'm glad you had that experience because dysphoria sucks. <laughs> it really does. So yeah. any night that it can sort of just be eased in some way is a good mm-hmm. night. I'll also collect this tea. Tea is wonderful. Yes. <laughs> okay. I think that's most of the notes that I had. Okay. Do you want to talk a little more about what Judaism means to you and stuff? 
I mean, I'm still kind of trying to <laughs> wrestle with that question myself. Yeah. Um, one thing that's kind of uh, surprisingly on my bucket list is to uh, have a sort of renaming ceremony. Ooh, cool. Uh, which I've heard of people doing. Yeah. Um, which I think would be really cool. And yeah. the, I, I think the rabbi in my synagogue would totally would be on board cool with that. that. I've heard of a lot of people doing that in like Christian churches. So it's Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Do you want to like, kind of talk about how disability or how autism like ties into either like your gender or your faith or anything like that? Um, I don't know. That's, that's an area that I've tried to explore. Mm -hmm. But uh, one thing that I think it was another therapist mm -hmm. had once told me was um, something like, oh, you can't be trans, you're autistic. Oh, that's always a fun one. <laughs> I was like, that's what? Fun. You can't be two different like marginalized groups at once. <laughs> no. I, I think she had this, some sort of wild idea that like, you know, if you have autism, you can't understand any sort of social yes. concept whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a lot of social things I don't get, you. but trust me, my gender is one that I do. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that is, yeah, that's an obnoxious stereotype. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are trans. Yeah. Hence like where I met you at, um, CASA, which is for the listeners, a, um, a, an off branch of ASAN, which is the Autistic Self Advocacy Network. Um, there's a little group in Louisville that is trying to sort of get our own like branch of it off the ground here. That's where I met Eli. And a lot of us in that group happen to be trans or otherwise LGBT as well as being autistic. So we definitely exist. I have met a lot of non-binary autistics. Me too. We are out there. Interestingly enough, I've also met a lot of people with uh, Ehlers-Donlos Syndrome who are autistic. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm not really sure why. I yeah. mean, I know they're both genetic. Yeah. <laughs> largely. It is, but... it is like, yeah, what is the connection there? Yeah. You know, I don't really know if, if autism plays a big part in my gender or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm non-binary, although I'm more agender, mm -hmm. <laughs> like gender as a whole. It's kind of like, I understand it when it's applied to other people, yeah, but, but I just don't really bother. get it myself. What's the point of it? It's so hard to pin it down. Yeah. That's why I like what you said before that, like, you don't have to have the answers to everything. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay to be wrestling with all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, something kind of gender specific, well, more like gender, yes, gender presentation specific. Yeah. Um, it's like the longer I'm on tea, the more comfortable I am with, you know, displaying gender nonconformity yes. or kind of indulging my feminine side a little yes. bit more. Yes, same. Uh, because, I mean, back when I had just started on tea, mm -hmm. I've never been like super hyper-masculine or anything, mm -hmm. but uh, it's, it's like I was allergic to the color pink and I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't yeah. want to have yeah. anything to yeah. do with anything feminine because I, I guess I felt like I have to distance myself from it so far, thinking that was somehow the yeah. answer to everything. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. Oh, I feel that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I've recently actually started, you know, I don't want to say women's clothes, but wearing feminine clothes. Yeah. I usually say like clothes from the women's section. Like, yeah, just they, it reminds me. It reminds me of uh, oh god, who was it? Like I don't know, Eddie Izzard or something. 
Um, and he was in an interview and somebody asked him, you know, oh, you, you dress up in women's clothes sometimes. Mm -hmm. And he goes, it's not women's clothes. They're my clothes. I buy them. <laughs> yeah. That is, yeah. Whatever the gender of the person wearing the clothes, that's the clothes. Yeah. Person. Yeah. Like. Because like they're pieces <laughs> of fabric. It's going to be okay, guys. That and like when I say women's clothes, it just, it gives me this like idea in my head that I've like stolen them off some poor woman. <laughs> Like, they're my clothes. I bought them. Yeah. I own them. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, when I was a really little kid, I was okay with dresses. But it was around, like, the time when I started getting some, like, I don't know, like, kind of, like, awareness of self. So maybe, like, 10 or so when I was like, okay, pink is like illegal now. I cannot wear pink ever. No more dresses. No more skirts. No, like, jewelry or makeup of any kind. But now that I'm on tea, like... I own a dress now and like I like having a dress and like I got my ears pierced so I could wear like pretty dangly earrings which I never yeah. would have done before like being on tea. It's almost like there's got to be like this balance. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Do you know what it is? I always try to like puzzle this out in my brain. Um, Sometimes it feels kind of arbitrary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the way I kind of rationalized it was that you know the longer I'm on tea the less of a physical conflict I seem to have with myself. Mm -hmm. So drawing in something that used to have a lot of conflict isn't as stressful and kind of takes on a new meaning for me. Yeah. So like wearing a dress, it doesn't feel like I'm like misgendering myself as yeah. far as presentation anymore. It just feels like, oh, I'm just me wearing a dress. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, there is one other thing that I wanted to bring up. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a, and actually the whole dress topic kind of reminded me of it because mm -hmm. um, I am going to wear a, I'm really excited for it, yeah. but one of my friends is letting me borrow this like enormous floor length poofy black skirt Ooh. and I'm going to wear it with like, I haven't really decided if it's going to be like a tux jacket mm -hmm. or what exactly it's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, oh, for your wedding. Is it for your wedding, or am I making that up? Uh, that too. Oh, but sorry. Spoilers, also... everyone. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm, I got I... overexcited because I'm also trying to figure out what to wear at my wedding right now. Yeah. <laughs> there is going to be a trans march on DC oh, okay. in September, uh -huh. um, and I am currently trying to put together a little group to go. Oh, cool. Because uh, I really, 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 really want to go. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that they've kind of got on the itinerary or whatever mm -hmm. is going to be a... Uh, literally like a ball the night before oh, and oh, that's so cool. I have been trying I had been trying to decide what I was going to wear oh, man, and it's going to be this giant so floofy skirt with like okay honestly um, what I really want to wear is it's this suit and it's got like this metallic almost like paisley type pattern over the entire thing okay. and it is like so over the top and ostentatious yes. <laughs> in love with perfect it perfect for a trans ball but then also for my wedding i think if i wear a skirt to my own wedding mm -hmm. um a lot of my family is going to be really confused yeah they're going to be like wow i thought they said they were trans what is this yeah yeah which i people don't know like it's my to... wedding i don't want to i don't yeah. want to have to deal with that yeah you don't have to want to like <laughs> debate them about your own gender yeah really mm -hmm. Ugh, so whatever yeah yeah that makes sense but that that's cool though mm -hmm. is there anything else you can think of that you <sighs> like for instance like how about like um your fiance and rachel rachel yeah, yeah. like she comes to family dinners so i should know yeah. her name by now <laughs>
she and I have been together mm-hmm. for 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a long... So, like, <laughs> you grew up together, sort of? Like, was that in high school? Uh, we have known each other since the sixth grade, and we got together freshman year of high school. Awesome. Or the summer before freshman year of high school. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> so she's known you a long time? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Has she been cool about, like, you coming out and stuff? Oh. Yeah. It's like there was absolutely no resistance. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, you know, I don't think I'm a girl. And she's like, that's, that's all right, chill. cool. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're still cool. I'll still, I'll still hang out with you. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, she has kind of been the longest supporter mm-hmm. for me on that front. My family was a little bit unexpected. Yeah. Um, like, my mom... It took a little bit of like explaining the concepts and everything, mm-hmm. but once once I'd actually like explained what all of this stuff is, mm-hmm. uh, she was wonderful. I mean, she awesome. even helped me do a bunch of research on endocrinologists so I could get started on tea and everything. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> How many years ago was that? Um, that's always a really hard question. <laughs> <laughs> when did it start? Who knows? Oh my god, one of my first neurologists asked me that, literally with that exact phrase. I'm like, when did all this start? I, whenever they <laughs> ask that, too, I'm just like, um, if I don't say since I, like, could talk, are you going to not, like, are you going to gate yeah. me if I don't say, like, yes, as a little child, I hated dolls. and <laughs> <laughs> That, a little I bit of a tangent dolls. here, but um, I did, too. Yeah. Me and my sister, yeah. we had a collection, do you know what Polly Pockets are? Do I? Okay. Oh, you know I know what Polly Pockets are, and you know them. My sister, my, <laughs> my sister and I had a collection of them so big that we literally had like two tubs the size of laundry baskets <laughs> oh just God. filled with this Polly Pocket stuff. I love them. My little sister like chewed on the rubber clothes. I would too. It was like I a didn't. stim. No, I was like, no, these are like sacred. Like you cannot chew on her nice little dress, like. <laughs> Look at this alley. Look at what you did. <laughs> but yeah, like it's always like I feel like I feel weird and awkward asking you like when did this all begin? Because <laughs> I know that when I get asked that I'm just like if I give the wrong answer, are you going to tell me I'm not well, a real trans? I've got a little bit of a funny story to explain it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so my sister and I were about two and a half years apart. Mm-hmm. Uh and of course, I mean, when you're when you're particularly young we did everything together we even dressed together people would mistake us for twins even though we didn't look anything like but (laughs) you know whatever yeah as far as the gender stuff i feel like i started to kind of realize something's not right Mm -hmm. Uh, seventh grade ish somewhere Mm -hmm. like middle schoolish somewhere around there and you know i would just keep shoving it to the back of my mind like i don't need to deal with this right now (laughs) without all of this like confusion plus i didn't have the words to describe it yeah um, at that point. Mm-hmm. And even when I did finally learn terms to describe it, I was so deep into denial. I was yeah. like, this is not it. I'm just, yeah. I'm just a tomboy. I'm not, I'm not trans. Yeah. Yeah. I was like so adamant about it. Mm-hmm. And my sister put it together just like that. Mm-hmm. And she honestly got it before I did. And I remember, okay. I remember she even went out of her way to go to the library mm-hmm. and find books about trans kids. Oh, wow. And specifically, like, came home and was like, hey, <laughs> hey, uh, I'm not going to use my dead name, mm-hmm. but uh, hey, Eli, 
uh, I think you might like this book. Just like <laughs> casually leaves it on your like bed or something. I think she actually did. Was she older than you or younger? Younger. Younger. Yeah. Okay. And I was still just so in denial. I was probably yeah. a little rude to her about it, to be honest. Why are you giving me these books? Um, what are you saying? Yeah. And then like I finally officially came out mm-hmm. uh, publicly, even made a Facebook post about it and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe freshman year of college. Okay. I was like, you know. New start, I'm 10 hours away from home, might as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just went back to my sister and I was like, Emma, you were right. <laughs> you were right all along. <laughs> a lot of my family, they're not necessarily conservative, mm-hmm. but they kind of give off that vibe anyway. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but it was it was the weirdest thing once I had like actually officially come out to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to be this... You know, I thought going home for the first time was going to be this awful experience mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. And everybody was just calling me Eli. And my grandmother was oh. even sitting there correcting my great aunts on it. Like, it's him now. <laughs> like, yes. oh my God, this is so That's cool. Great. That's so great. And like, they're not necessarily perfect about it, but even something as small as, or to somebody else, it might be small, to a trans person, trust me, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, correcting people on pronouns is such a big deal. Yes. And when, like, my family members, who I assumed were not going to be receptive to it at all, mm-hmm. started to actually correct people on pronouns, yeah. it was just like, yeah. okay, they're, st- they're, they're yes. still here for me. They're my family. Okay. Oh, that's so wonderful. <laughs> so you said your family was, like, 10 hours away from your college? Yes. Yeah. It was your, is that here in Louisville that your college, your uh, undergrad no. was? My, I went to college at Lehigh University, which is in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. Ten yeah. hours away. Yeah. Uh, my family, or my dad's family, is here. Oh. Um, my mom's family. There's not really much to say. They are uh, like hyper conservative mm. nuts in Arkansas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like try, they're not all bad, but I yeah. I wore a suit once when I went down there, and I got enough bad comments about it. Mm. Like, all yeah. right, all right. That's right. I'm, I'm not dealing with you all. Yeah. So. Okay. So you were like raised in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Lehigh I was a god awful mess. I mean, uh, it sounds like it was in the middle of like I've not ever heard of it in my life. So no, um, how, it's, how many people were there, like students? Uh, including both undergrad and graduate, mm-hmm. about five thousand. Okay. So like, it's a decent size. Yeah. Um, what made you go there? It was a really, it's a really good mechanical engineering school. Oh, okay. So okay. I did mechanical engineering for two years. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love science particularly physics mm-hmm. even the really ugly physics like quantum physics and and oh i know <laughs> <laughs> i mean you and i have yeah. t- t- talked about it yeah. a bit before <laughs> yeah um that so like the stuff that goes over everyone else's head you're like yes this seems interesting quantum physics theoretical physics theoretical calculus those are yeah. my favorite topics yeah. <laughs> which probably sounds really masochistic <laughs> but you know it's not engineering mm-hmm. which is good enough for me but yeah, I actually do kind of have a lot of spiritual beliefs about about uh, science and physics mm-hmm. and um, math. If you don't mind me kind of just going on a tangent yes. about this now. No, I want you to. <laughs> okay. Please. Are you familiar with the movie Pacific Rim? Yes. Okay. Yes, I am. Herman Gottlieb in there uh-huh. uh, has one line where he says that numbers are the closest we get to the handwriting of God. Mm. And when I first saw that movie, at first I thought that it was kind of a 
you know, funny line. Like I never really heard somebody describe it that way. Mm -hmm. And then as I got more and more into math and calculus, calculus specifically, mm -hmm. uh, and the way you can use these really, really abstract concepts to represent actual real things, I don't know, it started to make a lot more sense to me, mm. actually. Uh, and particularly, I've been doing a lot of research on um, uh, particle accelerators and kind of you know, quantum discoveries for the last you know, decade or so. Mm -hmm. And the more I find out about it, the more I'm like, this can't be accidental. Mm. <laughs> yeah. um, like one, one example is, you know, if you take table salt and throw it in water, it doesn't explode. Sure. But yeah. <laughs> thankfully, I know that <laughs> that would be pretty bad if it did. But one of the chemicals, mm -hmm. which is there in table salt, like you can touch it, you are touching the chemical. Uh-huh. But if you had that chemical separated and you threw it in water, it would like catch fire and explode in this oh, giant, what you know. What the heck? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And. Oh man, salt like, is more dangerous than you think. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, you'd have to be in a lab and, you know, under very, very specific circumstances to be able to separate those yeah. chemicals. But the fact that those two can coexist in one instance mm -hmm. and then be something completely different in, in another, and there's still a complete framework for how that works and how it happens yeah. completely underlying that, yeah. it just, it doesn't look accidental to me. Mm -hmm. When I'm looking at all of this stuff and then even down to, you know, quantum things, mm -hmm. it does not look accidental. It all makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense in a way that it's possible for me to be sitting here talking with you mm -hmm. and all of the little, you know, chemicals in our bodies and everything, uh, kind of like with the whole salt thing, if you took yeah. it by itself or combined it with something in the wrong way, mm -hmm. you could get really catastrophic results, but you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is pretty amazing. Life is pretty cool. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> That's what I should title yeah. this episode. Life is cool with Eli. <laughs> yeah. It's really neat, though. And, like, that's that's something that always, like, kind of confuses me about so many Christians, like, think that you can't believe in evolution or believe in, like, an earth that's more than, like, 6,000 years old and be Christian, like, because it goes against the Bible, Eli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it goes against God. And it's just, it's, to me, it's so much cooler to look at things like evolution and think about how God's at work in it than to just say that. God like poofed everything into existence in, yeah. like, in like seven days or whatever. Like the, I, I mean, the world is complicated yeah. and the idea of God or gods or, you know, a creator, mm -hmm. I, in my opinion, is equally complicated. I mean, for example, with quantum physics, it's not like we're just, you know, pulling hadrons out of nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, no, these are things that have always existed. Mm -hmm. And it's part of how this universe is possible. Yeah. Us discovering them does not suddenly make them mm. not part of, you know, mm. God's hypothetical realm as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it also doesn't mean they didn't exist yesterday and now they do because yeah. we know they're there. Yeah, they have always yeah. been there. Yeah. Which is yeah, it's that's like, like, I love outer space and stuff and just learning. It's so cool that we have the ability to learn about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like stuff that is so much bigger than us, like in space, or things that are like so freaking tiny, like in salt. Like we can learn about yeah. it. And that's just wild. God. It's like, uh, what's his name? Yuri Gagarin? 
I'm probably mangling the pronunciation of that. I don't know. Who but he is. is the first guy to ever go into space. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so he literally just got shot up into space yeah. in like the 19... 1960s, 1950s, right. something right. like that, mm -hmm. um, and managed to come back in one piece. Mm -hmm. That's a scary job. See, that that's also, you know, incredible feats of, of you know, science and engineering yeah. like that, in my opinion, is almost a little bit more proof mm -hmm. that, you know, a creator or God, whatever, however you want to, you know, conceptualize this mm -hmm. being, exists, and, and that, you know, this is in t an intentional space mm -hmm. because you know this this idea of made in god's image comes yeah. up a lot in judaism as well yeah um and as somebody who you know has a disability yeah. i really kind of try to take that to heart uh because a lot of people will kind of go like oh you're the problem it's like no oh. the fact that i can't get my wheelchair upstairs is a problem yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway yeah. this idea that we're made in god's image when I hear about, like, for example, NASA, uh, or no, it wasn't, it wasn't NASA, it was SpaceX, which is Elon Musk, who I don't like, but who cares? Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> the space part is cool. The guy, not so cool. Yeah. Um, but they successfully launched a rocket. Right. And it successfully docked with the ISS mm -hmm. like a week ago, a couple of days ago, something about, something. I put what it on Twitter. Time? You saw it on Twitter, did you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when I... I actually watched the launch of that online, mm -hmm. and the entire time I'm just thinking, this is, this is a human version of intentional space. Mm. Like, we are able to create incredible things like this because we do have creativity. We are, we've been given creativity, mm -hmm. and we've been, been given the tools to discover so many cool things about this world yeah. and use them. Yes. Like, yeah. Why on earth does everybody seem to think that God has to, you know, sit up on high going, you can't build rockets. Like, <laughs> what? And, like, you can't, like, change your body just because you say you're, that's like, oh, that's another. Like, God made you a girl, so you can't say you're not. No, and you can't, like, no, 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 no. You can't no. change your body. And, like, you're so right. Like, we're made in God's image, which means we're made to be creators. And that can mean, like, over our bodies, too. Like, we can be part of that creation. And another, see, in Judaism, you're not supposed to get piercings, tattoos, you're not right. supposed to, you know, right. whatever. Um, With your pierced ears sitting before me. <laughs> yeah, and multiple plans for tattoos in the future. <laughs> um, that, that's one of the things, that's one of the things I really don't like about Judaism. Mm -hmm. Because the, you know, plans for tattoos that I've got... And the self-expression with, you know, jewelry yeah. and, and things like that. Yeah, like, I love your, your earring that has, like, the spoon. Theory. Yeah, spoon theory. <laughs> yes. Like, that's, that is self-expression. It's so great. It is. Yeah. And it's creative, and I feel like, um, you know, one of the things that, for me, has played a lot in my, you know, religion, spirituality, and all of that is uh, name. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to, one of my first, my first tattoo that I want to get is my birth name. And I want to get it along the side of my foot, kind of like to symbolize steps forward. And I feel like, uh, I feel like me getting that as a tattoo is almost kind of giving a little bit of thanks. Because as I told with that, you know, story about the song and everything, yes. the whole idea of that name is really important to me. Mm -hmm. And 
the way I got that name and the importance that it has with, you know, me being able to manage my own dysphoria and come to terms with, you know, being trans and being able to take that on, yeah. it feels like I'm, you know, honoring the way I'm made. Yeah. By, yeah. I don't know if it sounds silly to kind no, of... No, <laughs> that makes so much sense. Yeah. So, yeah, like... Name, like, the concept of naming and names is so important in scripture, like with Israel, gets that name. He wasn't, mm -hmm. like, born with that name. Yeah. God gave it to him, and, like, how we name God is even so important in Scripture. It is. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not really particularly familiar with any Christian traditions on this, mm -hmm. but, uh, like, with all of my little notes that I have here, yeah. Yeah. Um, wherever I've written God, I don't write the O. Yeah, you did the hyphen thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anything that has... Anything that names God mm -hmm. um, is supposed to be treated with a lot of respect. Yeah. So if you drop a prayer book, yeah. uh, if you drop one of the Hebrew prayer books or something, mm -hmm. you're supposed to pick it up and kiss it before mm -hmm. you put it away. Yeah. Um, and Torahs, there's a lot more, mm -hmm. a lot more traditions mm -hmm. that go along with that. But when you're done using a Torah, mm -hmm. uh, you aren't supposed to just you know recycle it or throw it away yeah. or anything. You're supposed to like bury it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we learned about that in my Hebrew class, and like that's why we have fragments of things is because they were buried instead of disposed of other. Like, they were buried, and then later people found them, and that's how we have certain manuscripts <laughs> is because of that special way of disposing of them. That's Sorry, cool. that's a tangent. No, that's really cool. <laughs> but yeah, so like that reverence for the name and mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Like to go back to the old tattoo thing, mm -hmm. I don't know if that sounds a little bit silly, but. It, to me, you know, using that as a self-expression and using that as a meaningful way of, you know, handling and relating to your own body, it, yeah. that feels spiritual. I don't yes. get why Judaism, like, the original idea in Judaism was that you, uh, you're not supposed to, I don't really want to use the word desecrate, but mm -hmm. you're not really supposed to, like, damage, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. the vessel that God has given you yeah. or something. Like that it's, per I don't know if this is right because like I'm not sure, I'm reading this book on disability in Judaism that's by a Jewish woman named Judith Abrams. She talks a lot about like the idea of like the body being perfect if it's a certain way and like, yeah, so like a tattoo or something makes it less perfect. Somehow. And as it relates to disability. So disability, yeah, like disability makes that, it less perfect. Great. That really, really starts to, you know, the whole medical model of disability versus the social model of disability. Yeah. Yeah. And as someone with EDS, I actually kind of struggle with that a little bit mm -hmm. because on the one hand, um, EDS can be really bad. Yeah. Uh, EDS can cause uh, really serious heart problems. Mm -hmm. um, some of the complications from EDS can be deadly. Yeah. Um, thankfully, the type of EDS that I have is a little bit lighter on that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's still a possibility. Yeah. yeah, so like all the accessibility in the world isn't gonna help with that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people in the disability community are extremely vocal and they have a right to be vocal yeah. that they don't want to be cured. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that has the potential to kind of alienate some of the people with chronic illness yeah. who you know could potentially be dying from their diseases. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little one of those conflict struggle moments where I don't really need to have the answer right yeah. now, thank God. Yeah. Well, and we have, like, 
it's such a binary thing to say it's either the medical model or the social model. You can't yeah. like, when really it might be a bit of both. Yeah. Like, My personal theory is that, you know, self-determination should be the, the absolute rule in any case. Yes. Uh, but yeah, sometimes I'll kind of, you know, sit there and think about EDS and, you know, what exactly made in God's image means with respect to that. Yeah. Um, and I still haven't really come up with an answer. Mm-hmm. But I hope I will someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it has impacted my life in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. trying to adjust to the fact that, that I do now need to use mobility aids. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the time, um, and especially trying to balance, because like, I use a wheelchair sometimes, mm-hmm. but am I like physically capable of standing up and walking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it safe for me to do so all the time? Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people don't really get that there can be that duality yeah. to it. It's not uh, binary. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. if somebody sees me stand up from a wheelchair, uh, I literally have little cards explaining EDS oh, that's nice. that yeah. I carry around in my back pocket. In case someone's like, faker. In case You're anybody gives it. me a weird look yeah. or, or, you yeah. know, asks me, because I've had people uh, where I go from using my crutches to not mm-hmm. using them to using them again because I work in food service. It's mm-hmm. not like I can constantly, I mean, I have tripped people with them. I have whacked yeah. people with them. One time I even reached a little too far and hit somebody in the nose. Uh, <laughs> so sometimes you can't. They like, can't. sometimes it's more of a hazard for me yes. to use them than yeah. just suck it up and deal with, you know, with the dislocated whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I've had people make really, really kind of nasty, sarcastic comments about it. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm just like, I have a genetic disease. Yeah. It screws up my joints sometimes and yeah. just, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. And it sucks <sighs> that you, like, it sucks that you have to do that work and, like, educate them. But it is smart of you That's to That's why just I just like, started carrying around take the little a card. <laughs> I don't have time to explain it to you, so just read this. Uh, was there any other topics you wanted to talk about? We, we've, we've gone through a lot of things. We have. <laughs> a lot of math tangent. I might cut that down a little bit. Because you're like, and look at this graph, and the listener will be like, there's no graph. <laughs> Yeah. This podcast does not come with a graph. Yeah. So my last question for people is usually like if you could offer like one last piece of advice for trans people um, and it can be specifically Jewish trans people, trans people of faith or just trans people in general. What like kind um, of last bit of advice? I guess it's something that I did kind of touch on earlier uh-huh. uh, that like <laughs> it's okay to wrestle with these things. Yes. And I think that the idea of, you know, being able to interpret things differently, mm-hmm. it's a Jewish concept, but it's also a concept in general yeah. that I think you can apply to a lot of things, particularly religion. Yeah. Because, like, there's going to be religious sects or mm-hmm. areas and spaces that are not welcoming, but there's going to be some that are. Yeah. And okay. one thing that I wish I had kind of known and understood earlier mm-hmm. is that being trans and being religious, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. For a long time, I assumed that I couldn't be both, you know, actively Jewish and trans. Yeah. yeah. But I've found areas where, you know, people are going to welcome me as both, and they're not going to consider me lesser for <laughs> being either one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It's been really awesome to get to talk to you about so many different topics. Yeah, this has um, been fun. So many thanks to Eli for sharing some of their thoughts with us. 
I want to remind listeners once more about the call for stories on faith and violence that I described at the start of this episode. Also, if you are interested in hearing Eli talk more about intelligent design and some really cool calculus stuff, I saved the clip that I cut out of this episode, and I plan on sharing it on Patreon. That's right, I don't have a Patreon yet, but I plan on setting one up sometime in the near future, where anyone who is able to support me financially will have access to some bonus clips and stuff like that. I will definitely make sure to let y'all know when I finally set that up and explain a little more why I need financial support to keep this podcast going. So keep an eye out for all of that. And in the meantime, go break some binaries and be a blessing to the world with your life.